Hi, and welcome to the Prelude Podcast, where we talk about all things weddings and help you get down the aisle. I'm Megan, your host of the Prelude Podcast. I'm the founder and lead planner at Events by Eva in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And this is our first ever podcast episode. So a lot of the time, I feel like when we're planning the wedding, we really get caught up in the material aspect of the wedding rather than focusing on the marriage or who the couple is as a person or as people. So for our first episode, I thought I would talk a little bit about my background, my history, how I became a wedding planner, how I ended up starting my wedding planning business. So let's take a trip back in my story. About 14 or so years ago, I'm kind of dating myself, I guess. But 14 years ago when I was finishing high school and figuring out what I wanted to do with my life and what my next steps were going to be. So for a little backstory, I'm originally from Los Angeles, California, born and raised, lived there for just under the first 26 years of my life. And I actually always wanted to leave California. I think I appreciate the diversity that I grew up in now and the various cultures that I learned or was surrounded by at a very young age. And I very much appreciate that now. But growing up, I always kind of wanted to be one of those kids who moved around constantly. And I'm sure I'm going to get some backlash for that. But I lived in the same house, my, I guess, pretty much from age one, you know, through growing up. And always wanted some kind of change. So when it came to the end of high school and I was figuring out where I wanted to go to college, what I wanted to do about college, I kind of had a hard time with it because I always had this burning desire to live in New York City and really wanted to live there, but also wanted to stay in Los Angeles and work in the music industry and had absolutely no ties to the music industry. When I say work in the music industry, I'm talking about working on the music business side. Um, I did do music growing up, but I did not want to be a musician for my career. So back to 14 years, it, it will actually be 15 years this summer. I was figuring out if I wanted to go to junior college and transfer or apply, and I really wanted to go to USC, University of Southern California, or NYU. Applied, didn't get into either, and decided that I was going to go to junior college. I was in the honors program at Santa Monica College, um, one of the junior colleges in the Los Angeles area. Um and had a guarantee into UCLA, of course, the enemy of USC, but it was a good option if all else failed. Um, I did end up getting into USC, but I think what actually gave me a lot of my drive, just work-wise, was really the fact that I did go to junior college. And I think that had I gone to, you know, four-year university or into a four-year music industry music business program right off the bat. I don't think I would have put the effort into all the experience that there is to gain that I did because I went to junior college. Essentially, I was trying to build up a resume before 
applying for USC again and really just was on the grind to just get anything music industry related into my resume. So I would pretty much stay up all night researching about the music industry, just trying to learn as much as I possibly could about it to figure out how I wanted to go about getting an internship. And back when I was starting college, most internships required that you were junior or senior in college. It's quite different now, but that was a requirement. So you had to prove that you were getting school credit or something along those lines. So I came across a recording studio that was pretty close to where I lived and reached out to them, basically asked if they were looking for any free labor. And I was surprised when they responded and they were you know, hiring interns, hiring, meaning working for free to basically, I don't know, we just did stuff on MySpace. I I can't even really remember. Honestly, a lot of it was just social media sorts of things that that's completely way outdated right now. But it was cool because I'd see artists come in It wasn't the most professional environment, you could say, but it was exposure into the industry and was something that I was able to put on my resume to start attracting attention to larger companies or companies I really had dreamed of interning at. So after about six months of interning at the recording studio, I was applying for other internships online. I think I applied for an internship at what used to be Universal Music Group Distribution and went on an interview, thought it went well. The guy I interviewed with told me, give me a call tomorrow and let me know if you want the internship. So I called him and he answered. I was surprised he actually got on the phone, but told me that he had already given it away to somebody else. So during that time, I stayed at the recording studio for I think another six months. I was there about a year and found another internship program through another department at Universal Music Group Distribution. Interviewed for that, got that internship. And we were basically a group of probably about 10 plus young adults who were spamming blogs and commenting with, hey, listen to this new artist. Here's a link to their music on random blogs. Like these were back in the Perez Hilton days. I remember actually right before LMFAO's Party Rock came out, they came and performed at the office for us. And that was super exciting. One of the guys was related to Michael Jackson. Somehow I can't remember. I think maybe he was a nephew or something, but it was right before they broke. It was a fun time. But what was great about this internship was that they would bring in other industry professionals to talk with us once a week and we'd sit down, have dinner, listen to their story, and ask them whatever questions we had. From all of my research, I already had a good idea of what I wanted to do career-wise in the music industry, so I thought. And one of the industry professionals who came to speak to us was working in A&R at Interscope Records, the Cherry Tree Records sub-label specifically. And the job of A&R, which stands for Artists and Repertoire, was to essentially curate the album, the overall brand of an artist from a musical and branding perspective. So I made sure that I was the first person in line to go up and speak to him after he spoke. And I think I was the only person who got his business card. I think he only had one business card. So I told him how I really wanted to be involved in A&R and I was very into the music that his label was doing. 
So the next day I reached out to him, set up a time for an informational interview and had an offer for an internship in international marketing and A&R within a week of that time frame for the fall semester, I think it was. So that's how I got an internship interning at the label that Lady Gaga was signed to just after Just Dance had come out. But sadly, that internship came to an end after its first semester. I did go back and work as a temp on occasion when, you know, someone got called for jury duty or something like that. But Universal had a rule that you could only intern within the company at the time for two semesters. So I wasn't able to continue that internship. And I was back to the drawing board on what am I going to do next? I need to build up this resume and portfolio to get into USC. So I went back to applying for internships online, was very lucky to get an internship interview at Atlantic Records in the promotions department. I did end up getting that internship and I think that was a pivotal turn in terms of how my life ended up and things that have come to fruition today. So I interned at Atlantic Records in my last year of junior college. So during the time I was applying for USC the second time. Atlantic had an office in Los Angeles, but their main office was actually in New York. And so from time to time, other employees from the New York office would come to the LA office when they were in town for various trips and events. So through getting to meet other employees from the New York office, I kind of put feelers out there that I was really interested in living in New York and had learned that other interns in the past had gone to New York for a summer to do an internship. So when it was time and I was ready, I reached out to one of the employees that I had met who was from the New York office. And at this point, I had already started at USC. I did a few other internships in between all of that. I think I was at a music management company in between that time when I was no longer interning at Atlantic and then went to New York for summer. But when I reached out to that Atlantic Records employee, he said, okay, so you're going to be here three days a week. What else are you going to do the other two days that you have? And it was about six months before I would be leaving LA for the summer in New York. And I told him, you know, I haven't really thought about it yet, but if I was going to do another internship, I'd want it to be in artist management. I had kind of learned during my time at Interscope that it seemed that managers were already bringing artists that had a pretty good development under their way and that a lot of that artist development and branding that I originally thought I'd get to do more in an A&R department seemed to already be done by the point that artists were getting signed. So while I was taking other internships that weren't in what I really was wanting to make a career out of, I took them because each experience really is going to just lend to the other experience. The more wide range you can have in any experience, no matter what industry you work in, the better you're going to be able to communicate with the other ends of that industry, the better you're going to be able to understand and set expectations of colleagues, coworkers, in different departments, in different areas that you work with that might not even be at your company. So back to my time in New York, that Atlantic Records employee had a friend who worked at an artist management company. It was a company I couldn't find any information about online. 
but I trusted that mentor and interviewed with a woman who worked at the internship and took it. I figured, why not? And looking back on it, I really don't think I put much effort into that internship, but I always had a really good feeling about it. And so while they had the New York office, their main office was in Nashville, and they also had a very, very small office in Los Angeles. So before the end of my internship and time in New York, I asked my boss at that management company if the LA office was looking for a new intern. And they were. So I did a phone interview with the assistant at that office at the time while I was still in New York. And then when I got back to Los Angeles, I interviewed with the main manager that was at that office. And it was my senior year of college. And I knew really quickly in starting that internship that that was where I wanted to work after college. So after my first semester there, it turned into a paid internship. And when I was ready to graduate, they were looking into getting me full-time and it didn't really work out that way. And after I graduated college, I actually moved in with my grandfather who has since passed, but he was in his early 90s and I remember having conversations with him of, do I wait this out? This is a job I really want. I did apply and interview for some other jobs, but they just didn't feel right. It wasn't what I wanted. And at, you know, just turning 22 years old, he told me, you know, the one year or two years that you spend waiting it out for when your salary gets approved is such a small amount of time in the grand scheme of your life and of your career. And it was so true. And a year later, I was approved for that full-time salary. And so in that interim, I think it was about eight months really until I was hired full-time, I found a night job at a startup company that basically monetized YouTube content online. And I did that while I was waiting it out. And during that eight months, I would go to work at the music management company from I think it was 9.30 to 4 p.m. And then I'd leave, drive 30, 40 minutes to get to my night job that was, I think, started between 5, 5.30 till 1 in the morning. Drive home, sleep, repeat again. And you guys, when I say I got a full-time job offer, I'm telling you I negotiated up to $28,500 for the year. And for some context, Los Angeles rent is very expensive. And so this was back in 2013. And I don't think you could get a room for under $1,000 in a safe area. If you did find one, that was a very rare find. And this was not the kind of job where you could get a second job. You were working night and day constantly. More of a 24-7 kind of job. Pick up anytime you had to on the weekend. If something came up, you had to do it. So it took sacrifices, but it was one of the best learning experience I've still gone through to date. I had an amazing boss who was great at teaching and looping you in so that you could learn. We were like a well-oiled machine. I still think to this day, I haven't had a job that operated as our small team did as well as we did. And over time, my pay got better. I was able to learn and take on more responsibility. I started to travel a little bit for that job, which was a great experience. And I ended up staying in that job for I think about five years, but I still always had this burning desire to live in New York. City. And after about five years, I left for a job as a manager for one artist. And the job itself was great. It was my dream job, everything I wanted. I felt like 
I didn't have the learning curve that you would expect changing jobs. I went into it, felt really prepared, knew what to do, which I definitely owe to my former boss and colleague who really taught me most of what I know in the business world today. But I was absolutely miserable at that job very, very soon in. The job itself was fine, but the environment of the workplace was not great. And during that time, I was offered a position as a tour accountant on tour. And when you were in your mid-20s, the idea of traveling the world on someone else's dime sounded amazing. I had really always wanted to do it, but what had held me back from it was the fact of what am I going to do when I don't want to do that anymore? Because you, a lot of people who work on tour get in this cycle of not really knowing how to live life when they're not on the road. And a lot of advice that I was given was don't do it unless that's really what you want to do. And you have your exit plan on how you're going to get out, which I didn't have. But getting that job offer gave me the confidence to quit the job that I was miserable in and move to New York on a whim. So that's what I did. I moved to New York and ended up working on a contract at my first job that I was at for five years while I was looking for a permanent full-time position. And at the New York office is where I met my now husband. So after about five months, I started a job at a label under Universal Music Group in the digital marketing department. And that was a great experience that I thought would be helpful in terms of any job moving forward in life. So I was there for about three years and moved to the Chattanooga area with my at the time fiance after that. And the timing for our move was because he wanted to go to grad school. He actually ended up deciding not to continue grad school after a year. At that point, it was COVID. We got married in October 2019, right, you know, a few months before COVID hit. And when we first moved here, I knew that I wasn't really keen on getting a full-time job. I knew that I, at that point, wanted to try being my own boss and start a business. That's something I knew that I always wanted to do since I was honestly in high school, but thought it would be the music industry. But my grandma's side of the family kind of was a train of entrepreneurs. Her parents had a glass company in Hungary, left in World War II because they were Jewish, couldn't get into America, went to Ecuador, restarted that glass company. It wasn't really working. And then it transitioned to a glass window company. And that's kind of what clicked for them. My grandma had her own travel agency. So I kind of always, I think, had that entrepreneur bug. I happened to get that gene, I guess. So when we moved here, I was taking my marketing experience and applying it to doing copywriting freelance. I had a few social media content management jobs that I was doing freelance. And I was really doing that to supplement working in the music industry still. While I was at my job in New York, I was kind of working on the side with a few other guys managing a songwriter who also has her artist career. And I really didn't think that that was going to continue when we moved to the Chattanooga area, but simultaneously she was signed to a Sony Nashville label. And so it kind of made sense to see that transition through. And so we moved to the Chattanooga area end of April, beginning of May 2019. And I continued working still in the music industry until about February 2020. That ended right before COVID hit. But 
I have really enjoyed designing my own wedding and had simultaneously started my own wedding planning business at the end of 2019. And it really started soon after my wedding. I had reached out to one of the employees at the venue that I got married at and told them, hey, you know, if any couples just need someone to help on their wedding day and don't have a coordinator, I'd love to try it out. And so it quickly went from, I wanna just try this to, no, I'm gonna do this for real and see what comes of it. So I officially launched the business end of 2019. And in some strange way, COVID kind of helped start the business because a lot of weddings were canceled, postponed, and couples were in need of wedding coordinators, wedding planners who were no longer available for their new date. So the start of events by Ava really came from the drive and passion for design and desire for creativity within the wedding space. And really, I think the goal is we really want to know our couples and embark on this journey with them as if we're a friend helping them out. And I'm going to be honest, sometimes personalities don't always click and it's maybe not always the best fit. But overall, weddings have gone well over the last few years. But truly, at the end of the day, what I just hope for is to have our couples feel like we're a friend helping them along the way who can speak on their behalf come the wedding day. And sometimes it's hard to gain a couple's trust and it's completely understandable. It is a really big day. We're just getting to know them throughout the process of their engagement and wedding planning. And it's hard to just trust this stranger that you haven't known for years that they're going to be actually really invested and care about your wedding in the same way that you do. Which is also why when we are helping a bride, a couple, a groom, grooms plan their weddings, that it's really important for them to feel that they do somewhat click with whoever they're hiring in any capacity. You kind of almost want to feel like that person could be your friend, even if it doesn't get to that point. You want to have that sense of trust in your vendors that you choose to hire. And so I want to conclude this episode and take things back to what I said earlier in this episode, that it's very easy for us to lose sight of the why we are here, why you're getting married, and focus on what really matters at the end of the day. And I'd like to argue that it doesn't just matter that you got down the eye. While that's a huge step, what really matters is how you choose to go about your marriage and relationship from that point forward. And really, I think this is applicable to any relationship, whether it be a friendship, a family relationship, all relationships go through ups and downs. And if you haven't experienced it yet and you're newly married, I guarantee you it's going to happen at some point in your life because when you're married to somebody or you just have a friendship or a family relationship, you're gonna go through so many life phases during the span of that relationship. And whoever it is in that relationship, those two people are going to grow and change as individuals and as the two people in the relationship together. So what I'd like to do for every single episode, I'm not sure if we'll do it for episodes where it's primarily just me talking or if it will just be when we are doing interviews with other vendors or professionals. But these two questions are kind of general questions, questions that you honestly might hear at a job interview, but I think that they're really relevant to check in with how we're doing at a specific point in our lives. And they're things that can really affect our relationship. So while it might not be wedding tips, I think that it's important to reflect 
reflect on these questions throughout your engagement process, throughout your marriage, and really just throughout life. So these two questions are, what does success look like for you both personally and professionally? And I think this is an important one because sometimes we get caught up comparing ourselves to others, but success truly means something different for each individual. And the second question is, what are your weaknesses and how would you rate how you're doing with them right now? Weaknesses can be looked at negatively, but really they provide room for personal growth. Being aware of our weaknesses and always working on them can help in our relationships, our marriages, and our personal contentness. Our contentness and happiness is brought from ourselves and the work we put into growing ourselves throughout our lifetime. Through being open and honest with our own weaknesses and our growth journey, we can also inspire others and create community. All of this is easier said than done, so I thought to kick us off, this is our pilot episode, I will go ahead and answer these questions right now. So question one, what does success look like to you both personally and professionally? So success to me is much easier said than done. I feel that success really comes from a well-balanced life. And I think this means health-wise. I think it means feeling that you are growing in your career. And I think it also includes a balance of family life and personal life, friends, everything that goes into that category. And I'm going to be honest, I'm really not good at this balance. So it's something... I'm really trying to challenge myself on this year in terms of being content with where I am professionally with also putting the effort into my personal life. And so that kind of ties into my weakness. And I'd say my weakness is that I tend to be a workaholic. I really don't like notifications building up. I don't like things pending. It overwhelms me. It doesn't affect my stress levels very well, which also can lead into our overall health. And so to rate myself on this right now, we're going to do this on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the best, one being the worst. And I think I'm going to give myself a six. And the reason I'm giving myself a six is because I think I have improved a bit. Right now it's early February and so it's the slower time for weddings, but work-wise, computer work-wise has been pretty busy. It's considered engagement season and it's also a really big time for designing weddings and planning weddings that are happening this fall. And I think where I've improved a little bit is that I'm doing a better job of managing my stress levels as I see the notifications come in and really picking, is this truly urgent right now after business hours or can this wait until it's business hours again? And that's something I really struggle with. As I mentioned, I really don't like tasks piling up, but back to what success looks like for me and how I was talking about these questions affecting our personal relationships, it is so important to make sure to have that work-life balance. And not only is it important in our relationships with others, it also is important for us to show up best at our work with our clients at our jobs, in school, whatever it might be, or even for your family. If you're a stay-at-home mom and you have a family, you also need a balance of space and time away from your family so that you can be there and be fully present. So to wrap this part of the episode up, things to remember are to always focus on your why. Why are you marrying each other? Don't lose sight of that. Try to focus on that during this really busy engagement period. So thank you 
you for tuning in to the very first episode of the Prelude Podcast. We'll be back with more info and tips on how to go about planning your wedding, and hopefully we'll have some guest speakers along the way. Don't forget to click that follow or subscribe button to get updates on when we release our next episode. Thanks for tuning in.